This is an ABC podcast. Pip and I are going to be fighting over the mic just to talk to you, Angela. <laughs> no, actually, originally it was just going to be me. And then okay. Pip was like, no, I'm obsessed. Like, I have to come. Aww. I was like, I want to be a part of it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that you came too. Yeah, we're so excited. Maybe to talk about my insecurities about queefing. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she was like, I have questions. Yeah, you shouldn't be insecure about queefing at all. Oh, sorry. Are we, oh, we're, we're yeah, recording. Yeah, recording. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as you can hear, Pip and I are literally fighting like siblings. <laughs> I feel like we're trying so hard to impress Angela. But like, no, Angela, me. We were a bit starstruck when she came in, to be honest. I reckon that's the biggest interview I've ever done. Oh, definitely. If you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Angela White. She's one of the most famous porn stars in the world. She's definitely the biggest superstar to come from Australia. She has, you know, 932 million views on Pornhub. She's got countless subscribers on OnlyFans. She has 9 million followers on Instagram. Yeah, and 2.5 million on Twitter. I think she's also won over 95 awards. Wow. In her career for her performances. If you don't know who we're talking about, guaranteed the person next to you does. Probably watched one of her videos. I'm not going to lie. I showed a photo of Angela to my boyfriend before coming in. And I was like, who's this? He was like, oh, she looks familiar. Uh, I was like, the, uh, yeah, 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 come on. So funny because we did an interview straight after Angela. And when she was walking out of the lift, um, the guy that I was interviewing after walked in and he did a double take. And I was like, do you know who that is? And he was like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Guys know, and girls as well, which you'll hear in this interview, she says that she um, has a lot of female fans. And, you know, normally she's based in L.A., which was really special to get her because she's back in Australia. She's visiting for Sexpo. And we were so lucky to just get a bit of her time. Um, she came into the studio a couple of days ago and we had a massive chat. We had so much fun, Dee. Oh, yeah. We spoke about her journey into porn. Uh, she knew from 14 it was something that she wanted to do. And what Peep and I found really interesting were just some of the myths and misconceptions that even we didn't realise that she, you know, really delves into. And we have a really in-depth chat about the ethics of porn and her thoughts around that. And, yeah, she also answered a bunch of questions that you asked her on our Instagram. Yeah, thanks for sending them through. And you know what? She asked us some questions as well because Angela was telling us that in all these interviews that she's doing, um, the past couple of weeks, she has been asking everyone what porn they watch. I've actually been asking everyone that's been interviewing me while I've been in Australia and um, almost every single time it's been cut out. Of yes. the actual interview? Yes, in the final interview. Yeah, it's cut out. The people cut out? are still unwilling to, to say what they to talk. Watch. Well, they'll, they'll tell me what they watch, but then they'll cut it out in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, if we could ask that. <laughs> like, so, yeah, stay tuned because she does ask us at the very end. And no, we do not cut it out. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. Angela White, Kings, Queens, and everyone in between. I know you've probably answered this question a million, million times, Angela, but when did you realize that porn was for you? So growing up, I was really fascinated with sex. And as a teenager, I wanted to express and explore my sexuality and every way that I did that was deemed inappropriate. So I was teased in high school. I was slut shamed. It was actually a really horrible time for me. But pornography was the first place I saw women celebrated for expressing and exploring their sexuality. So once I looked at porn, I was like, this is something that I want to do. 
What age? Do you that think? was 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was 14. I didn't get into the porn industry until 18. Obviously, that's yep. the legal, legal age. Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually great because then I had four years to really think about the pros and cons, whether it was actually what I wanted to do. I did a lot of research during that time. That kind of market research is very fun. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what <laughs> is out there? <laughs> yeah. Watched a lot of porn, uh, followed a lot of models and just, you know, just looked at careers and looked at, you know, how people... Um, went through the industry and how uh, they kept themselves safe and yeah it was a really interesting time for me to uh, explore my sexuality and then once I got into porn it was just a dream come true because it was something that I'd wanted to do for four years so once I was finally on set I was like yes I'm doing it. Yeah, when you did eventually sign up, you moved to LA at 18, right? That was like... No, So no. what was the journey after you decided you wanted to get into it? Yeah, so I contacted some companies that I wanted to shoot for. And the first company that I worked for was actually Miami-based in Florida uh, that specialized in big natural boobs, which was what I have. And at that time, thick girls weren't really in. So I was really focused on companies that were celebrating thick women. Yeah. So I shot in Miami and Florida. I was still in high school at the time. It was my first time overseas by myself. And then I flew back to high school in Australia and my porn started coming out. And you were like doing exams. You're doing your ATAR. (laughs) And the teacher's kind of like, hang on a minute. (laughs) That was uh, that was an interesting time. Okay, well, what a lot of people don't realise is that you also have your first class honours in gender studies. Yes, from the University of Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you want to kind of get into that and try like learn about that? That actually came from shooting porn. So I found the experience of shooting porn to be incredibly empowering, incredibly liberating. But every time I would tell people that that's what I was doing, I'd get all these arguments like, oh, don't you feel degraded? Don't you feel victimized? And that was really confusing to me because my experience of it was so different. And I guess in a way I was naive because I, uh, for me it was this something that I had waited so long to do. It was such an exciting period of my life, like finally being able to express myself with like-minded peers and uh, be creative with my sexuality without criticism. So I thought everyone at home would be like, yeah, go, you but the response was pretty negative Uh, so I wanted to really understand those arguments and most of them were coming from like anti-porn feminism so doing a gender studies degree was my best way of kind of I guess knowing the enemy understanding you know those arguments and when I say enemy I am a feminist myself I'm specifically talking about like anti-sex work anti-pornography Uh, feminists. So yeah, that's why I decided to do my degree in gender studies. And what I ended up doing for my honours thesis was doing qualitative research into female experiences in the Australian pornography industry. What did you kind of like learn from that? There are a number of really interesting findings from that research. Uh, the first, well, the first one is that the canonical narrative of victimization really restrains the way female performers can talk about their experiences in porn. And to to kind of uh, explain that a little bit, basically the canonical narrative of victimization is that myth that surrounds the porn industry that all the women in the industry are coerced into it. They're all victimized. Um, they're all disempowered. And that canonical narrative, so. It really silences other stories and other voices. So the voices of women that are saying, oh, this is the choice that I've made. I really enjoy the work. Uh, And within my qualitative research, I asked the female performers to write their own narrative. So it wasn't an interview style because I didn't want to lead them with my questions. I wanted them to tell me about their experiences without me 
trying to push them in any direction. And the first thing that all of them would address was, I'm not a victim or I chose to do this. I didn't ask them that question. So it really showed me that this narrative is something that performers are always having to face and we're always having to justify our choices and even our existence. So that was the first really interesting vista that came out of that research. The second was that there is um, a radical potential of pleasure in pornography. So basically the female performers I self-identified in a certain way before entering pornography and many of them changed their sense of their own identity through working in porn. So one of the best examples is one of the women uh, entered the pornography industry identifying as strictly heterosexual. She had a boyfriend, was not interested in women at all, but she was booked for a lesbian shoot, which we call gay for pay in porn. And, you know, she was fine with that because it was work. Who cares? You're, you're getting paid. It's just a fun day at work. But within the scene, she ended up having these intense orgasms, intense pleasure, really liking the other woman. And so came out of that experience going like, oh, wait, am I heterosexual? And so I just thought that was really interesting that the power of pleasure in porn uh, is can be really transformative. There's something that you brought up just before, actually, that we really want to chat about, um, like the ethics of porn. This is something that a lot of listeners asked us about because we actually said to hook up listeners, hey, we've got Angela on, put your questions in. But we thought we'd ask you as well because, you know, porn in itself, like it's an industry that is really heavily scrutinised for being unethical. Mm, like you said, yeah. like you always have to kind of answer these questions. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that people wanted to know was like, how do you tell? Because I think people always want to do the best that they can. And if they enjoy watching porn and you hear these conversations all the time around violence and women and, and unethical porn, like how do you decide what you're watching is like going to be best practice, I guess? Yeah, there's a, a big misconception around the porn industry that say if it's romantic couples porn, it's ethical, and if it's rough BDSM, that it's unethical, which is obviously untrue. When it comes to ethical porn, I think the best way to know that you're watching ethical porn is actually to sign up to performers only fans, like to look at the platforms where they're distributing their own work, because you know that content is self-produced it's with partners that they want to shoot with uh, and it's made on their own terms and they're making the money from it I have a question I guess as well to add into that like when you're watching porn if it's like a really big company versus like an indie sort of company mm. how do you identify or distinguish because I think a lot of people think indie companies are more ethical but like what's been your experience of that yeah that's a real misconception as well because I've worked with companies that have claimed to be feminist, ethical pornography, and they've treated me really, really poorly. Whereas I'm a contract star for browsers right now, which is really the biggest mainstream porn site in the world. And they're incredibly ethical operators. And we have a full consent list that we go through before each scene. So before each scene, we sit down with a talent liaison and our on-screen partners and we go through a list, a checklist of things that we consent to, do not consent to, and there's a clarification. So, for example, it'll say kissing. Yes, no, clarification. So you might say, yes, I consent to kissing, but not on my toes. Um, and then it'll be nipple play. Yes, no, clarification. So, yes, I consent to nipple play, but please don't pinch them hard, whatever it might be. So we go through this checklist before every single scene and every single scene partner. I don't know why, but my nipples just went. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> keep going. 
felt that. Like, I felt that when you said hard. I was like, oh god, yeah, that would be on my checklist. I'm like, please no. Mine would be a no hair pulling, please. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. have a lot of it. Please don't yeah, pull it you, out. Yeah, when you see the snaps break, I, I spent a lot of money trying yep. to get this hair on my head. Yeah. Like, hair pulling's on the list. Yep, it's go. on the list. <laughs> um, Angela, you mentioned before when you're talking about your research with some of the performers that you not interviewed but spoke about their experiences. Yeah. It was really interesting hearing that performer's experience of not thinking that she was potentially bi or into girls, whatever she now identifies. Um, so you have sex with all genders. Yes. Peep and I were both curious about is, I mean, I hate to be like, is there a preferred, but like, do you enjoy having sex with women more? Oh, I I enjoy everyone equally, I would say. I, I have sex with every kind of person in yeah. porn and out of porn. And yeah, I mean, I do love sex with women because there is such a softness to, I mean, that is a generalization, but I guess that's my own experience. Um, and I find women tend to indulge in foreplay a lot more. Uh, so I do love having sex with women. I feel like as well, yeah, we were chatting about it and we were like, I wonder if the energy just feels really good in a room full of women where you're about mm. to perform with. Like, obviously, we've just discussed about the ethics and like, you know, sexualization and, and misogyny and stuff like that in porn. It does exist, can exist, but often doesn't yeah. in places that we don't expect. But yeah, we were thinking, we were like, oh, maybe the vibe is just like really nice and it's like slow and, and beautiful mm. and stuff like that. Well, you know, it also depends on what kind of porn you're shooting because you might be paired with a woman that you would normally have very sensual sex with, but the script is, you know, really hard strap on sex. So it it does depend on the director, the company, the script. And we always get a say over the script, so I get sent my script around two weeks beforehand, so I'm able to change anything that I don't like, just readjust any of the positions or whatever it is that, that I might like to change. But still, you know, sometimes you'll be doing something sensual, sometimes you'll be doing something uh, rough, sometimes you'll be doing something funny and corny. It just depends on the script and the day and the director and the company. What I find so interesting, and I just found out before we walked into here, was that some porn stars, you can keep track of their, like, quote-unquote body count. Yeah. Um, but, like, you can see how many people you've slept with online. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So I there's there's a guy that's put together my list. I'm not sure exactly how accurate it is because I haven't kept my own. Yeah, I was like, how could you? Yeah, I've too many. <laughs> but it was really interesting because most people think that I've had sex with a lot of men, but comparatively, I mean, I think I think the total was something like 150 men, which I know is a lot for for a lot of people, but the women was like over 450. So, yeah, the ratio. I have a lot uh, more sex with women than I do with men in the industry. Wow. See, there's so many misconceptions yeah. that I think people just assume. Oh, yeah, Angela White, like gangbangs, dudes. But you know what I mean? Or just any it's porn the same star. Guys. It's the same. If you watch my gangbangs, you'll see the same men turning up again and again and again because it's you, you have to have a particular kind of performer who can get hard and stay hard in a room full of other guys. The guys have to touch each other to get into those small crevices, uh, especially if you're doing doubles or, you know, triple penetration, all of those things. You need men that are totally comfortable in their sexuality and able to be around naked men and know that they're going to touch naked men, even if it's not in a sexual way. Mm. So, yeah, it's often the same men over and over again. 
On that note, like, do you feel like there's a difference between men and women in terms of pressure to perform? Like, obviously, as you've just mentioned, there's a lot of pressure for guys to perform. But as a woman working with women, what's something that you've come across? Or maybe there's nothing. Well, yeah, because with guys, sorry, just jumping in. But with guys, they would, you would come quickly. And then Mm, that would be either over them or they'd have to try and go for round two. But with women, you can't really... It's not as See, obvious. See, as, as obvious. Yeah. I mean, there's different pressures for men and women within the industry. Obviously, keeping an erection and not coming too early is a big pressure for men. And then for women, porn is much more pleasurable when you're turned on. So mm. being turned on is a real benefit. But if for some reason it's not working, you can use lube. So women do have that advantage. But honestly... The people that I work with in porn are so great. We're so we're we're a community, and we really do care about each other. And so, bringing each other pleasure on set is the ultimate goal. I love that. I was going to say, is chemistry important? Like, are these people you want to be fucking? You're like, yes, so important. Like, whenever I'm casting, like for my own movies or OnlyFans, it's always people that I have incredible, genuine chemistry with. Okay, so Angela, I have like an insecurity that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to queefing while having sex. It's like something that I feel like I can't avoid. If I'm having sex, I'm you're going to hear me queef. And yeah. that's something that I feel like you never hear really in porn. So I was wondering, yeah. do they just like edit that out? Like what's going on? Is, is there a way to control it? It depends on the company. Not They don't all edit it out. Some people really like queefing. There is queefing fetish porn. So it's definitely not edited out of every porn scene. There's no reason to be embarrassed about it because it's completely natural. It's just air getting up there as you're fucking. And if you're, you know, if you're getting penetrated, it's very likely that you're going to be pushing some air up there and at some point it's got to come out. So there's no need to be embarrassed. I do have a little porn trick that I could teach you to get it out. Oh, my God, yes. Okay, so what you do if you know, you can kind of feel when you have air in there and it's often after doggy because that's for whatever reason the air just loves to suck up in that position. So what you do, and you can do this really subtly and no one will ever know if you're like in in the moment with a partner, go down, start um, just make it out like, oh, you're just rubbing your clit a bit, then put your fingers inside you and then kind of i'm not sure how would i describe this in the rate on the radio so create just a bit of space create a bit of space just with so just put i would put two fingers inside me and i would kind of pull up a little bit and just push down and the air will come out does that make sense <gasps> so it's so kind of like a little, finger little comes yeah out it'll like that. just come out and because you've created space it's not going to make that vibration that's the queefing sound it's the air coming out and the vibration of the lips <laughs> So if you just create space, it's like if you want to mask a fart, you literally just pull your cheeks apart because it's actually your cheeks clapping. Yes, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, I thank you. You're welcome. That's a porno trick. Not that I'm gonna be embarrassed about it because I truly have gotten like to that point where I'm like, you're just gonna hear it. But you know, for someone listening, I feel like when you're first starting to have sex, if if that moment happens, you literally are like... Yeah, and you can make it a sexy moment because you're like, oh, this is so hot. Like, I'm just going to rub my clit a bit, just finger myself. And then you're pushing that air out. Nobody's going to know. Obsessed. Obsessed. (laughs) so much. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, my God. So should we do some listener questions? Yeah, everyone was obsessed. We put it up on our Instagram and we had so many people being like, I haven't even watched her porn, but I'm obsessed with Angela White. Oh, that's really sweet. So many fans. Mm. Oh, Mm. thank you. All right. So first question, what is your favorite thing to shoot? 
Gonzo. So, yeah, and gonzo porn gets a bad rap because feminist arguments about gonzo porn is that gonzo porn is the roughest. Yes, you've got your... What is gonzo porn? Okay, okay. No, that's fine. So gonzo porn comes from gonzo journalism where the journalist would break the fourth wall. There was not... Yeah, so he would be or he or she would be part of the story. So with gonzo porn, traditional gonzo porn, you would break the fourth wall and actually talk directly to the camera. And sometimes the camera operator would be involved, obviously, if they're tested and, and it's consented to and everything like that so um that's gonzo porn now gonzo and all sex porn are often conflated so all sex would literally be no storyline basically straight to the action so gonzo and all sex are my favorite genres because there's no cheesy setup it's just two or more people who are really into each other fucking how on camera as they would if the cameras weren't rolling so there's a slight adjustments for lighting so that then the camera can actually see the penetration but really in gonzo and all sex porn that's the closest you're going to get to like real sex so that's my favorite with genres and the type of porn that you do is there one that you don't like as much and you're just a bit like oh do i have to yeah take it or leave it. Yeah. yeah my least favorite porn to shoot is virtual reality porn so oh, okay yeah. so i've watched a bit of this because i have uh goggles at home what is it about it that just is hard or just not your flavor yeah it's i mean it looks spectacular like the final product is great and i know fans love to watch it but actually creating the product is really tough because i like really connected porn i like to really engage and be intimate and passionate with the person that i'm having sex with and virtual reality forces you to be very disconnected from your partner because they have to lay very still they can't touch you you have to look into the camera lens rather than looking at them you can't can't kiss them when you kiss in virtual reality porn you're literally just kind of licking the screen like uh, <laughs> like <laughs> so it's it's there's a lot of artifice and also it's very difficult on your body it's a real workout because you're kind of well it's a dance porn so when you're fucking and you're able to touch each other and hold each other we help each other so, like, when a woman's riding, the male performer, they'll be able to yeah. tell when the woman's starting to get tired, so he'll put his hands underneath her butt and help her with the riding. And it's the same, like, we, we just help each other when we're getting mm-hmm. tired. With virtual reality, the woman has to do everything. The man can't touch and help. So it's exhausting work and it's disconnected. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was sh- also shot on, like, a phone. Like, I thought it was a kind of POV, like, gonzo no, vibe. Yeah. it's a huge setup with lots of different cameras and a rig and there's a lot more people in the room because they're you know, all looking at the equipment. So it's not an intimate environment as well. There's a lot of people on set. Just quickly, do you feel, like, a bit nervous because I feel like maybe the future is going towards that? Yeah. But I could be wrong. But I don't know. Are you like, damn it? <laughs> I'm hoping that they can discover a way where the rig doesn't have to be so set up and, like, there's a way to make it more intimate. If there was a way, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like you have sex with someone and they edit out the guy or, like, whoever it is that you're having sex with. Put him in a Do you know what I mean? Green, green suit. suit yeah. And then they're just gone. <laughs> And then you still get the benefits of both. A lot of people wanted to know this question. How does your body physically handle and recover from hard sex? Like, do you have to keep your vagina healthy? And like, how do you maintain 
your body for your for the work that you do? Yeah, it's physically demanding work. I do. I have a lot of Epsom salt baths afterwards. It's it's a real workout. So it's the same thing that you would do to rest and recover from a workout. Take a bath. You need to stretch a lot. Uh, you do need to remain physically healthy so that you can do the job. So going to the gym, doing Pilates, Sleeping. getting massages. Oh yes. my god, I was going to ask that and be like, do you go to the gym? Because yeah. I would, if I was in your position, I'd be like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mainly do Pilates now because I find that's a really good way to have like length and stretching um, of the muscles. But yeah, it's it's just kind of like any other kind of sport or athleticism. I can't even speak this morning. It's okay. <laughs> We're all the same. Athleticism. Thank you. Yeah. And then in terms of um, genital health, that's a, a whole other thing. We are very, very aware of our health in the industry. You have to eat a certain diet to make sure that everything's balanced. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. We'll chat after. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I what just are bought you my um, brush bills actually yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So. Like, what are you eating? <laughs> Relatable. Really healthy, actually. Yeah, you don't want to eat a lot of sugar because sugar can create a yeast infection. Yep. It can imbalance everything. So. Also, like too much alcohol, like lowering yep. your immunity, yep. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. If size doesn't matter in all male porn, why is it that a lot of men have above average cocks? Size matters a little bit in porn. Because you're trying to get camera the camera in there, you're trying to get the angle so the light can actually see the penetration. So your dick needs to be long enough that you can penetrate an orifice and also your hip needs to be open so that the camera can see it. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see a lot of bigger than average dicks in porn. Also, there is um, some people like the, I guess, visuals of a very large penis. But outside of porn, size doesn't matter. Yeah, I think most women, well, like you know, women who sleep with men will be able to say that. Mm. It's like it's yeah. what you do. Yeah. yeah, giant dicks are not my preference outside of porn. It's the motion of the ocean. Speaking of, how this was a question from a listener: How often do you have sex outside of work? And is everyday sex with normal people boring after doing porn? No. Okay, everyday sex is not boring. Sex could never be boring for me. Uh, I love having sex off camera. In terms of how much sex off camera I have, it really depends on how much I'm shooting and a lot of factors really. But, um, yeah, I can't really put a number on it as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got into the industry because you were like, I just love sex. I love like, sex. I love sex. Yeah. So it's like that wouldn't stop for you, yeah. you know, outside of work. And outside of work, sex is incredible because I don't have to worry about the lighting. I don't have to worry about the camera. Yeah. I can be so close and connected and really just mm, have skin-to-skin contact. It's amazing. So often people have like romances within their jobs, work sites, wherever. A listener had asked, um, have you ever hooked up with like porn stars that you'd worked with offset? Yes. I love that. I mean, obviously, if you're working with but someone and like, you're getting that chemistry. I would chemistry. be like, let's just get paid for this. Well, Do you know what I mean? That's I'm the thing with OnlyFans now because now there's no more like offset affairs because it's, well, we should put a phone up so we can record it for OnlyFans. Yeah. Exactly. It'd be mm. so, I'd be, yeah, in your position, I'd be like, I'm not having sex for free ever again. <laughs> like, ever again. <laughs> Would like, you actually? Well, like, I love well, that. If, it's, if, if you're both in the industry and yeah. it's like people would pay to see this, then why mm. not, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like a power couple. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, I want to circle back. This isn't a listener question, but I do want to circle back to the stuff about size because we were talking about it just before about I think um, uh, an insecurity for young people is like labia and yeah. what their vulvas look like. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there's this misconception in porn that they've all got to be perfect and really neat, but it's not like yeah, that, right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Some of the biggest stars have really nice, meaty, juicy, long lips. It's, yeah, I, I this misconception has really come from uh, publications, I think, and censorship laws because, you know, in Australia, nudie mags had to, the vulva had to be, terminology was sealed to a, yeah, sealed to a single crease. So they actually had to be photoshopped so that they were these neat little lines. And that was about censorship, not about, you know, controlling women's bodies or what people thought was aesthetically beautiful. But so many women in the industry have longer lips or media lips. There's diversity in vulvas in the mm. industry. Yeah. So when you go into a casting room, they would never discriminate against somebody like in terms of oh, what no. shape or size? No, no, no. And just there's there's no casting rooms, by the way. But oh. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought that. It's like, I was everyone's like, in a line. Everyone's and they're like, get your Reading get your script. lips out, get your lips out one by one now. Yeah, now. That, no, I'm fully picturing it outside, yeah. and they're reading their scripts, and they're like, I'm so nervous. No, like that doesn't Shaking. happen. No, Shaking. no. Oh. So there are there are agencies, but there's no kind of like casting calls where all the performers go in to, to get naked and show that that doesn't happen. But yeah, no, vulva appearance and size is never something that is that is a concern of people casting. Like when I cast for my movies, I'm never thinking about vulva size. In fact, mm. I like personally, I like juicy long lips. That's just a personal preference for me. Um, but yeah, that's that's not something that would harm a female performer's career, for example. I'm just so happy that we're having this conversation because I feel like so many young people listening just have, we know just from doing so many episodes on this that like young people just stress so much about body yeah. image and that kind of thing during sex and performance and not being good enough. And yeah, it's just so great to hear you say that. I think it's going to help a lot of people with their insecurities. And speaking of, our last listener question was, how do you build confidence during sex? And I think, mm. like I've just said, young people just feel that real nervousness, even to just ask for what you want. But yeah, yeah how do, what's your tips on just like confidence? Hmm, This is a really tough one. I would say that even practicing outside of sex for asking what you want is really good because I think I think this applies to everyone, but I know specifically it applies to women perhaps even more that women are taught just to, you know, be quiet, not ask for what they want, not cause a fuss, just, you know, take what they're given. And I think that we need to practice just in everyday life asking for what we want or saying no even, just saying no to certain things, just being having more confidence in advocating for yourself you have one life and you want your sex to be as best as it possibly can be. So you need to be able to advocate for yourself. You need to be able to figure out what your boundaries are and figure out what you really like. I think masturbating is great to figure out what you like in the bedroom, how you like to be touched, and then practice telling people what you like. It's tough, but, you know, I just I just think the the most encouragement I can give is that most people want to pleasure you in the bedroom. So if you tell them what you want, they're going to love that they're getting those instructions. So then they can actually give you the pleasure that you desire and that they want to give you. It's so true. It's all about communication. It's yeah. so Gotta true. Got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> also, asking questions during sex, you can do that in a sexy way. Like, do you like that? Mm. Do you want it harder, faster? Just 
asking it in a sexy way to get that verbal feedback so that then you can give them more pleasure totally doesn't have to be like the consent form yeah your work you know it's like you're gonna have those conversations it's like but you and i'll be like don't touch the hair do not (laughs) not touch the hair hair. otherwise you're out i'm saying that on the first date i'm saying that like messaging on the dating app i'm like it's on my bio it's on the bio (laughs) um angela we have learned so much from you and i'm sure everyone listening has as well it's been Oh, honestly, such a great chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. I can't believe there's no casting rooms. What wait, was I thinking? Wait, wait, wait. I forgot to ask you what kind of porn you watch. Oh, yeah. Okay, so my answer is like, I don't really watch porn. Okay. I'm, I don't know. Do I you just, read I'm, erotica or what? Ha- my favorite type of genre in like novels is like horny yeah. fantasy. Yeah. All that. But yeah, I definitely have like fantasies mm. that I like that I like reading. But yeah, visually, I'm not a big porn person. I want to yeah. try out more like audio porn to see. Yeah. yeah. That's my vibe. I'd probably say I'm an audio porn girl mm. or I'd probably say girl on girl yeah. stuff. Toys or no toys? No, no toys. Yeah. yeah. The same. Yeah. I much prefer to see women having sex without toys. A hundred percent. And kind of yeah. when you were describing what it's like for you, I was like, that's what I see when I watch it. Yeah. You know? Just seems like the foreplay's really dragged out. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Too much foreplay is never enough. 100%. Correct. 100%. Um, No, I love that you (laughs) ask that. We're going to keep that in. I am so glad we talked about queefing in this. I was about to say, aren't you happy? (laughs) I mean, I didn't feel terrible before, but I feel better afterwards. And you know what? Her tip, so good. I just loved how much she spoke about vulvas and the diversity and also that size doesn't matter. I just Mm. feel that there's so much... You know, the stereotype that probably comes with being a porn star, there was actually so much that we gained from that chat just in regards to probably how we feel about ourselves and our bodies during sex and, and maybe the way that we think about sex. I don't know that even just from that conversation, I'm just like, who gives a fuck? I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to ask what I want and not be so, like, in my head. Exactly. Also, just some, like, real cool inside scoops into the world and industry mm. of porn that you wouldn't get from anybody else as well as someone who's so experienced. So big thank you to and Angela And she was so White. humble, apart from... Oh, yeah. Having a makeup artist, which you and I were like, okay, oh, wow. Oh, my God. Else? I'm so glad you brought that up. I was just about to say. We were like, so where's our Where's our house? It's so funny because <laughs> Pip and I took a photo with her and we're literally like the wish version. Reject shot. I'm never Think posting that photo. <laughs> Um, yeah, as you can tell, it was such a fun episode and huge thanks to you as well for all of the questions you sent in. They were so intelligent, thoughtful, and yeah, great that we were able to add them into the episode because she loved them. So yeah, thanks heaps and we'll catch you next time. Bye.